Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Brother. Well, I have thoroughly enjoyed, and I speak on behalf of my wife as well, we just had a wonderful time. We thank you so much for allowing us to be here and uh, to be able to meet many new friends. These missionaries have been such a blessing, and uh, what a wonderful job they're doing in their respective fields and areas, and then also to see uh, old friends that we have uh, known through the years and uh, seen you occasionally as we've uh, come through here before through the years and then also to meet new people as well. It's been a tremendous blessing. And now we come tonight uh, to this last night of the missions conference. And uh, really this is where we're going to make a decision. We're really going to, someone has said that, that the missions conference is a business meeting. It's a church business meeting where we vote on the, uh, what we're going to do about about reaching the heathen. We vote about, we vote on the subject, the vote is, are we going to do anything about reaching people with the gospel or not? Uh, where are people going to go when they die? Will they go to heaven or hell? And we cast our vote tonight on what we want to see happen with that as a result of our giving. Of course, we vote as we fill out these cards. I want to encourage you tonight to fill out the cards tonight and, uh, and allow... God to use you in this uh, area of reaching people with the gospel, giving people an opportunity to hear the gospel. I want to talk to you tonight about grace giving. Second Corinthians chapter 8 is going to be where we'll be tonight. And uh, grace giving. The Apostle Paul in Second Corinthians chapter 8 talks, uh, gives us an example, an illustration of people who gave by the grace of God and really what grace giving is all about. In Second Corinthians chapter 8, uh, Paul uses the Church of Macedonia. The churches of Macedonia, this would be the Church of Philippi, be the Church of Thessalonica, the Church of Berea, uh, to name three of them that are mentioned in the, in the Word of God in the book of Acts. And these are those churches of Macedonia that Paul is talking about when he uses those churches to illustrate for the, uh, the Church of uh, Corinth what grace giving is all about. In Second Corinthians chapter 8, he says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God. Notice the grace of God. So we're going to talk about grace giving. The grace of God which was bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty. Notice the affliction, their deep poverty, and their joy. Uh, usually we don't think of those as going together. Joy combined with affliction and poverty. And yet the Apostle Paul says that these people, uh, by the grace of God, had poverty, they had affliction or, or persecution, and yet they had joy, the abundance of joy. They abounded, this abounded under the riches of their liberality. Notice in verse 3, for to their power, or their, to their ability, to their power, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power. So to their ability, and yea, even beyond their, their ability. This is by the grace of God. To be able to do something by God's grace that you normally could not do is what we're talking about in this, in this passage. To their power, verse 3, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty, though they were, they were asking us. They were saying, Paul, we're, we're begging you, we're pleading with you. We're asking you that you would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. So these people were saying, Paul, we want to give. In spite of the fact that we are in poverty, that we are in persecution, uh, we want to give. And Paul, don't overlook us. Don't, 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 don't miss our opportunity. Don't take away from us the opportunity to give. 
by the grace of God, we want to be involved in this missions offering that you're receiving for the church in Jerusalem. So let's have a word of prayer to, to together tonight, and then let's take a few moments and think about grace giving. Father, I pray you bless this time together. Lord, I yield myself to you. I ask that you fill me with your Holy Spirit. Father, help me to be a blessing and encouragement. Lord, someday I'm going to preach my, first, my last sermon. Lord, I don't know when that's going to be. But, Father, I pray that tonight... Uh, if this is the last time that I ever preached, Lord, that I might be able to realize when I get to heaven, I, I gave it everything that I had. I pray, Father, you'd use me for your honor and glory, and God, help me to preach tonight uh, exactly what you want preached. And I pray, Father, you'd take the word of God and that you'd speak to our hearts and, Lord, challenge us concerning this matter of grace giving. I pray, Father, that this church would do more for missions this coming year than they've ever done before in their history. We ask that you would help them to do it by the grace of God by your grace working in them and empowering them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So in our text, Paul uses the church of Macedonia as an example. Now, he talks to them about grace, he talks about grace giving in their life. Notice in verse 1, the grace of God bestowed upon them. Grace is the love and mercy that's given to us by God because God desires to give it to us, not because we deserve it. Grace is not something we deserve, it's something that God gives to us. Somebody has said the acrostic of grace, G-R-A-C-E, God's righteousness at Christ's expense. Jesus paid it all, and yet we receive, by the grace of God, we receive that mercy and that grace and that forgiveness as a result of what Jesus Christ did for us. It's not because we deserve it. It's not because we've done anything at all for it. Grace is something that God gives to us uh, because He loves us. Now, grace is based completely on the merits of Jesus Christ. It's not on our works. But not only... Does God grant, grant grace to save us, but it's also the grace of God that empowers us. That's why we are to grow in grace. We are to grow in, the, in the, uh, the, the, the enablement of God to empower us to be able to live as God wants us to live. In over 40 years of pastoring, I've oftentimes had people come to me and say, Pastor, it's hard to live the Christian life. Uh, how many of you felt that way? It's hard to live the Christian life, but I have as well. But you know what I've learned through the years? It's not hard. It's not hard. People say, hey, preacher, it's difficult to live the Christian life. No, no. I used to say, I understand, I agree, do the best you can and, and, and yield to God and, and study the Bible and, and work hard at it. Uh, you know what I tell people now? When they say to me, preacher, it's hard, it's difficult, I say, no, no, it's not difficult. It's impossible. It's not that it's hard and I have to work harder. It's that I cannot do it. I cannot live the Christian life. I cannot live it other than the grace of God. That's why the Apostle Paul said, I am crucified with Christ, yet not I, but the life which I live now in the faith, I live by the, by the grace of the Son of God and the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and died for me. It's Christ living in us. It's God's grace working in our... Now, not only does God's grace save us, but it also empowers us to live the Christian life. The Apostle Paul was, uh, was talking to Jesus about his infirmities. You remember the passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And, and, and as Paul is, is praying, he's, saying to, he's praying to the Lord, Or Jesus, would you take away these physical infirmities? Would you take away these problems, these difficulties, these things that are hindering? I feel like they're hindering me from being effective and serving you. You remember what Jesus said to him? 2 Corinthians 12.9 says this, The Lord said to him, My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. It is God's grace working in us that gives us the power to do what we could not do in our own strength. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 
gives us a beautiful illustration of the grace of God in their, in their lives, enabling them to give to missions over and above what they could do on their own. Look at that with me for a few things uh, very, very quickly tonight. Notice again in verse 3, to their power. We commented on this earlier. They were able to give to their power and beyond their power. This is the grace of God. Supernatural giving by the grace of God. That's what I want in my life. That's what I pray would be in your life as well. Supernaturally living the life that we live by the grace of God. How were they able to do this? Let me give you four things real quickly tonight. Number one, they did not wait to give. Look at chapter, again in verse 2. In a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy, their deep poverty, abounded under the riches of their liberality. If anyone could have said, <clears throat> we cannot afford to give. If anybody could have said, um, you know, look, we're in affliction. We're in poverty. There's no way that we can give. But God's, by God's grace, they said, we're going to give. In fact, not only did they not say to the Apostle Paul, we cannot give, they said to Paul, Paul, please let us give. We, we want to give. Notice again in verse 4. They were praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift. They said, look, don't bypass us. Let us give. My, my friend, let me tell you this. The bottom line is this. If you really want to give to missions to your local church, you will find a way to do it. By the grace of God, you, if you really want to do this, you'll find a way to do it. Give up something. Sell something. Uh, take a second job. Give up Netflix, cable TV. Get rid of your smartphone. There's something that you could do in order to be able to give. Not a person in this room can legitimately say, I have nothing I can give. We could all find a way to do it if we really wanted to do it. In our world today, there are millions of people, as I've said this week, who will be born. They will live their entire lives. They will die. They will go to a devil's hell. They will spend eternity in hell, having never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Millions of them, perhaps billions of them, will die and go to hell, having never heard the gospel. And, and some of them, millions of them, will have never even heard the word Jesus. Most of them will hear the word Jesus, but billions of people will never hear the gospel, a clear presentation of the gospel. They will be born, they will live, they will die, they will go to hell, never having had an opportunity even to say yes or no to Christ. Now let me ask you a question. Why don't we do something about that? Here's why. We don't care. That's the bottom line. We really don't care. If we cared, we would do something about it by the grace of God. If tonight, somehow, we could reach down and pull up the cover of hell and look down into hell, and for five seconds, for five seconds, we could, we could, we could hear the sounds of the cries there in the dungeon of the damned for one eternal night as they were held prisoner there in, in hell forever. If for five seconds we could hear it and see it and understand it, it would change our lives forever. We would never be the same. These people said, by the grace of God, we want to give, and we're not going to wait. We're not going to make excuses and say, I can't afford to do it now. Maybe next year, as soon as I get this paid off, as soon as I get a raise, as soon as I do this, at some point I'm going to begin in the future. No. These people said, Paul, we know, you know we're in poverty. You know we're in per persecution. You know we don't have much, but we have something. Paul, let us give. How did they do that? Paul says, it's very clear, I, 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 I do you to wit, brethren, of the grace of God bestowed on them. It was by God's grace. Ask God tonight to give you the grace to work through you, 
to do something supernatural that you don't even think you can do, but God can do it through you. Number two, not only did they not wait to give, they understood the principle of stewardship. Look, if you would please, in chapter 8 and verse 5. This they did not as we hope, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Now, they had already settled them. They had settled that, that everything they and everything they had belonged to God. This is what Paul is talking about in the book of Romans when he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice by the grace of God, by the mercies of God, by the mercy and grace that God has given you. Because of that, we are to, we are to yield ourselves as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. I mean, when you understand the grace of God, it's just reasonable. That we would come and say, God, everything belongs to you. I belong to you. Everything I have belongs to you. Lord, it's all yours. I want to lay it all on the altar. God owns everything. We are simply stewards. Proverbs 24, 1 says, The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof the world, and they that dwell therein. Everything belongs to God. We are simply stewards. Everything we have been given to us by God is, 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 is to be good stewards of it. God has allowed us to have what we have, and He expects us to manage it wisely. We are not owners. We are stewards. And you might say tonight, well, well, wait a minute. Hold it. Now, you you don't know what you're talking about here. I worked hard to get what I have. Well, I understand that, and, and I'm glad you work hard, and, and, and we all should work hard. This is, what, this is what God expects us to do, hard work. But wait a minute. Hold it. Think for a moment. Who gave you the strength and the ability to be a hard worker? I mean, why are you able to work hard? Who gave you the mind to be able to do that? You say, well, I've made good investments. I've been, I've been careful with my money. I've made wise investments. Who gave you the intelligence to make those investments? Who is it that gave, has given you the ability to work, to make the investments, the wisdom? Who gave you the opportunities? Who is it that allowed you to be born in America where you have these opportunities? My friend, there are most countries in the world, you don't have the opportunities. I doubt very seriously in Fiji, where we saw tonight, I doubt very seriously in Fiji that there are very many opportunities for people to, to invest and to make money. I know they aren't in Cambodia. I know they don't have in Laos. I know they're not, there are very few in other countries that I go to, Indonesia. Uh, countries all over the globe that they simply don't have jobs. It's not that, they're, that they don't have, they have them, but they don't take them. They're lazy. It's that they're not there. They don't exist. We are, we are so blessed in America. We have been, we have been given the ability to, get, make, to make money, uh, to gain things, and God expects us to be wise stewards. Now, we have been so blessed in America. As I said last night, why, or, or, or Monday night, why has God blessed you? At some point, we need to stop and look at our lives and ask the question, why has God blessed us? My wife and I have had to ask this question through the years. Why has God chosen to be so good to us financially and in so many other ways? Health, all the different things that God's done for us. Why? He blesses us to be a blessing. It's not just so that, that we can, we can uh, have more. It's so that we can give so that we can be His channel. We can be His hands and His arms and His, and His eyes. And we can, we can use the finances, a portion of what God's given to us, to get the gospel around the world. You, God, look, God does not want you just to be a reservoir. 
He wants you to be, be a, allow that money to flow through you. I ask a question again. I think I've already asked this week. Does God really want your standard of living to continue to increase? Or maybe does God want your standard of giving to increase? It's not just for a bigger house, a nicer car, not against any of those things. But it's not just that. God gives to you so that He can give through you. God will give to you what He wants to give through you. It's not all about you. It's about what God can use you, how, by the grace of God, how He can use you in a supernatural way to help others. Well, it's been a great conference, hasn't it? I have thoroughly enjoyed it. I'll be honest with you, I have thoroughly enjoyed it. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something very, very honestly. Very honest. I'm tired. I'm tired. Preacher, you're probably tired. You're all tired. We've been out every night. We've been busy during the day. I'm tired. I'm looking, I'm, 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 I'm looking forward to tomorrow. Um, just having some time with my wife. And tomorrow night, you know what I'd like to do? I'd like to just take her out for a nice, quiet dinner. Just the two of us. Nobody else around. Just the two of us. And just, you know, I'm not talking about a nice, I'm not talking about a just, you know, jack-in-the-box or something. I'm talking about a nice dinner. Somewhere nice, somewhere quiet, somewhere maybe some soft music and, and some good food and some nice soda. Not wine, Pastor. <laughs> but you know something? Here's the problem with that. It costs money. Probably gonna, I mean, take you out for a really nice place. Probably be 100 bucks. Problem is I don't have it, sweetheart. I'm sorry. Hey, would anybody here give me $100? You're kidding. Are you serious? Kyle, you would give me $100 take my wife to dinner? Is this real? Is that a real $100 bill? Whoa, thank you. Thank you. Let me ask you a question. Wasn't that easy for him to do? I mean, just immediately. Why was it so easy for Kyle to give me this $100? Want to take a guess? I gave it to him. Oh, oh, that's what it was. This man's got his head screwed on right. He knows. That was a setup, wasn't it? <laughs> you know why it was so easy to come out and let go of this $100 bill? It wasn't his. <laughs> I gave it to him a couple of days ago and said, hey, would you hold on to this until I ask for it back? When I ask you to give it back to me, would you give it back to me? He said, sure. You know what God does? God says, look, I'm going to give money to you. And when I ask you to give it back, would you remember it's mine? The reason it's so hard for us to give back to God is because we think it's ours. By the way, I don't normally do this with this illustration. Here. This time you can keep it. Take your wife to dinner with it. My wife... My wife and I just want to go home and go to bed. <laughs> we, we've, had, we've eaten enough this week. <laughs> but you see, that's the problem. We think we're owners. We're not owners. We're stewards. God gives it to us, and then he says, Now, when I ask you to give it back, would you be willing to do so? And yet we hold on to it. I, I can't, Lord. That's mine. That's not yours. It's not yours. God has allowed us to have that and be a good steward. Now, some of it we keep for ourselves and take care of our family, invest, 
saved. All of those things that we need to do, right, good, good things. But why is it that when it comes time to, to bring some of it back to God to help with His work, all of a sudden we just say, well, I just can't afford it. I can't find it anywhere. We could really find it if we understood this. These people understood this principle of stewardship. Everything was God's. Whatever God had placed into their hands was, was His. Now, there's no sorrow in giving unless we think it's ours. But when we understand that we are simply stewards, not owners, we are managers of what God has given to us. Number three, how did they do this? Well, first of all, they didn't wait for circumstances to change. If you're waiting for circumstances to change before you start giving, whether it be your, to the general fund offering or over and above your, your general fund offering to, to missions, if you wait for circumstances to change, you will probably never start giving. It's just that simple. Because as the money increases, your needs will increase, you'll live, you'll live larger, and you'll need that money more. You'll never get to the point where you say, I've got excess money. We have to start. Start where you are. Number two, understand that God is giving to you, but he wants you to give back a portion to him and to invest it in his work. Number three, Jesus was their example in grace giving. Chapter 8, again, drop down to verse 9. Now notice this is grace giving. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Illustration of grace giving. He was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor that ye through his poverty might be rich. How rich was he? He owned everything. Everything was his. All the, all the heavens, he created everything. All the angels of heaven worshipped and adored him. And yet, for your sake, he became poor. How poor? He left everything. He was born with nothing. He was, they, they didn't have, Mary and Joseph didn't have a place to put him. He was born in a manger. He was placed in a manger after he was born. He sailed the Galilean seas in a borrowed boat. He died on a borrowed cross. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. He had nothing. Jesus stood between the entrance and the exit of life, and here's what he said. He said, the foxes, the foxes have holes. The birds have nests. But the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. The last verse of, of John chapter 7 says that everybody, every man went to his own house. Next verse, chapter 8, verse 1 of John says, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Every man went to his own house. End of John 7. Beginning of John 8, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Every man went to his own house, but not Jesus. He had no house. I mean, he was literally homeless. He gave up everything for you. He was the example in grace giving. Now, I don't know how much you should give to missions. I don't know. But I know this. I know with all of my heart, you will not stand before Jesus someday and say this, Jesus, I wish I had given you less. It's not going to happen. If there's anything that you're upset with your pastor about when we get to heaven, and I, I hope there's not anything you're upset with me about. But if there's one thing that you might be upset, and my people, my, my former church members might be upset with me when I get to heaven. If there's anything that, that you might be upset with him, or my people might be upset with me about, it would possibly be this, that we didn't encourage them to give more. When we get to heaven and realize how, how, cru, how, how critical it was, how crucial it was, 
and how important it was that we give financially by the grace of God, free will grace giving. I think if anything, some of my members say, might come to me and say, my former members say, Preacher, I wish you'd, I wish you'd taught me more about giving. I wish I'd done a little more. I am positive that I'm not going to stand before Jesus someday and say, I gave you too much. I'm afraid maybe my wife and I are going to say, I wish we'd done more. I wish we had found a way to give a little more than we did. How could they give by, by the grace of God in a supernatural way? They did not wait to give. They said, we're going to start right where we are. They understood stewardship, that it all belonged to God. They were simply stewards. They were following their example of their Savior. One more last thing. Number four, they gave proportionate to God's blessings. Second Corinthians chapter 8, let's pick it up in verse 11 now. Verse 11 says, Now therefore perform the doing of it, so that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which we have. For if there be first a willing mind, it is, a, it is accepted according to, the man, to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. So God is not asking you to give something you don't have. He's asking you to give of what you do have. God has said, look, I've blessed you, I've given to you, and I want you to bring a portion of that back. That's why this faith promise, we don't know how much you should give. You, you have to pray and ask God, God, what do you want me to give? How much would you have me to give? By your grace. Verse, now, look at verse 13. I mean not that other men be eased and ye be burdened, but by an equality, that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want, and their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equality. All right, so what we're saying here is, is not equal giving, but equal sacrifice. So Paul says to the church of Corinth, I'm not asking that you would be burdened and other people would not be burdened. I'm asking that there be equal sacrifice, not equal amount. Let me give you an illustration of what I'm talking about. Not everyone gave the same amount, but everyone gave sacrificially. So it's not equal gifts, it's equal sacrifice. Um, the people in this church who give the most financially are not necessarily the ones who give the largest sum of money. It, it, because it's, it's, it's not equal gifts, it's equal sacrifice. For example, let, 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 let's, say that, let's say that my wife and I are members of this church and uh, that I'm, I'm working full time and I'm at the height of my, uh, my earning capacity. So let's say, now I'm, I'm 70, I'm 71 years old, but, but let's say that I'm, you know, I'm 60 years old and uh, 55, 60 years old. I'm a member of your church and I've been at this particular company for a number of years and I've worked my way up and now I'm at the height of my earning capacity. Let's say I'm making $100,000 a year. Okay, and then let's say that there's another young couple in the church and they've, uh, they, they, he's made, they're making $50,000 a year. And both of us decide we're going to give 10%. So I say, well, my tithe at $100,000, I'm going to give 10%. That would be, be $10,000 a year. Here's the young couple. They, they're making $50,000. Their tithe, their 10% would be, uh, be $5,000. I'm giving more money. But I've got 90000 left. They've got 40000 left. Out of that $40,000, they're trying to make a living. They've got two or three little kids. My kids are already raised. 
they're trying to buy a house and make a house payment. My house is right, very close to or paid off, say. Who's giving the most money? Not me. They are. They're the biggest givers. Now, it's only right that God would expect me in the position that he's allowed me to, to, to get to in this, this illustration that I would be giving very generously to the church and, and, and over and above the, the, the money I give to the church to the to foreign missions. It just makes sense that God would ask me to do more. It wouldn't be some great sacrifice. It would be the, be the right thing to do. And so that's what I think Paul is saying here. Look, give proportionately. Has God blessed you? Then take a portion of that and give it back to God. And if God's blessed you abundantly, then give abundantly. If God's blessed you uh, not that much so far, all right, do the best you can do. And, and as God, in, God blesses you, increase that amount that you're able to give. The, is, the issue is not the amount that you give. The issue is the fact that we are doing what God asks us to do in giving. Gail and I have the privilege of working among some of the poorest people on the planet. Some of them are very sacrificial in their giving. They're, I've been in places where, where people bring, they bring, they bring some rice, they bring, a, they bring a few bananas to the offering, they bring a few pesos, they bring very little money. I, I'm telling you, I, I've been in situations in, in, in the Philippines and in, 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 in other Asian countries where, where, where people are, will come to me and they will, they will give me, a, you know, a hundred pesos. And, 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 and that's the equivalent of about $2. And they'll say, they'll put it in my hand, they'll shake my hand, put it in my hand and say, say, Pastor, please take that. I say, no, 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 you, I, I don't need this. You need this. You keep this. No, no, Pastor, you take this and you give it. You, you help somebody in, in Cambodia with it. No, 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 no. You, you need it right here in the Philippines. And, and they insist, Pastor, take this money. I'm telling you, they're, they're the huge givers. Now, let me ask you a question. If all they can give is 50 pesos, dollar, or 20, 20 pesos, less than, less than, less than 50 cents, if, they, if that's all they can give, should they not give? Should they not be allowed to participate? Should we say to them, no, no, you know, it's 50 cents. You know, it's 50 cents. I would have nothing to do with that. Keep it. No. They're giving it to God. It's the best that they have. They're doing what they can do. And so you look at your offering tonight and you say, well, you know, what I, what I check on this card, the truth is it's not going to be as much as others can, can write down. That never was the issue. It was never about how much you gave. It was about your heart. And the grace of God working in your life. About you saying, I want to help. I want to be a part. I want to emphasize again, I really want to encourage you to fill out the card. There's no place on the card for your name. So that might cause us to think, well, then if there's no place on the card for my name, then, then why should I fill out the card? And then here's the reason why. Again, because, forgive me for repeating this, but pastor and the deacons, the however you handle this here in your church, whatever the system is, whoever's making these decisions needs to know what the budget is. 
They need to have some clue. When missionaries come through, they're not coming here for practice preaching. They're coming here with the hope that you're going to support them financially. And there's no way that they can make that decision if, unless they have an idea of how much the, to, to, to anticipate bringing in that, that year. Fill out the card. Do it by the grace of God. Don't worry about whether or not your amount is large or small. If you can give $100 a week to missions, give it. You, you say, well, I, does anybody give $100 a week to missions? Yeah, my wife and I passed that up a long time ago. <laughs> And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just being honest with you. We passed up that long years ago. Of course there are people that give. There, I'm sure, I would imagine there are people in this church that give that much to missions. There are other people that give $5 a week to missions. By the way, we, we started 49, 48 years ago giving to missions at less than $5 a week. We started, I'm embarrassed to tell you, the first Fish Faith Promise Missions Conference we ever did, went to, we were as poor as dirt. We gave $2 a week. And then the next year, we upped it. And the next year, now we've been doing it for 48 years, almost 50 years. The issue, I don't think God is any more happy with the amount that we give now than he was with the amount we gave in Springfield, Missouri, whenever we were Bible college students couldn't figure out how in the world we were going to put food on the table and could not even buy milk for our baby. We'd put, we'd put water in a bottle and give it to our little baby because we couldn't afford milk. I think God looked at that $2 a week and said, I'm pleased. I think he looks at what we give now and says, I'm pleased. But it's not because of the amount. It's the heart. That's what he always wanted. So you give a little, and you give a little, and you give some, and you give some, and you give some, and you give some, and we put this all together, and all of a sudden your church is doing more than ever before. Because collectively, we're doing it for the honor and glory of God, and we're doing it by the grace of God. Would you be willing today to simply bow the knee before we fill out these cards? Just bow before the Savior and ask Him to do through you what you could never do alone to give supernaturally by the grace of God. Would you ask him to help you to die to self, die to the world, and put everything on the altar and say, Lord, what would you have me to do in grace giving that we might be able to reach more people with the gospel than ever before through our church? Our Heavenly Father, I pray you'd take these simple thoughts on grace giving and apply them to our hearts tonight. I pray you'd help us, Lord, to know what you want us to do And I pray, Father, that every person, every member of this church, young or old, would say, I want to be part. I want to be involved. I want to have a part in giving to missions through my my local church. And, God, I pray that this coming year would truly be the best year that this church has had in their history, financially giving to help support missionaries around the world, to get the gospel out here at home and around the world. Have your way. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Pastor, I turn it over to you.